sing your praises, to honor you and to love you, Lord. We thank you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. So we love you. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about blessings without sorrow. So that we can always understand the hand of God in things and how God moves among us and, uh, you know, to anticipate the good things that God has for us, uh, and allow Him to manifest His goodness to us, you know, just stay in faith until it materializes just the way the Word says it's supposed to happen. That's the most important thing. Many times we'll get anxious about time. And uh, how long it's taking for this, that, and the other. And when is it going to be? And all of that. And just don't allow time to push you around. You know, time can be your friend and your servant if you uh, keep a right perspective about God. Because he's faithful. And I think that's the summation that has to be made. Uh, But God is faithful. You know, all this can go on, but God is faithful. Amen. And so when we serve a faithful God, we realize, it's a, you know, you kind of think to yourself, well, if I have to wait, there must be something else going on here besides getting me my stuff. And so we, we don't want to think in those terms. We want to think we're perfect and he, we should have our stuff. And uh, nothing could be further from the truth. We always need uh, some some input of some spiritual uh, force and, and some spiritual blessing that can add to our life. Uh, we don't see it all the time right away. We don't see how patience adds to our life. We don't understand how waiting uh, for things can add to our life. We don't understand it. But then we, if we seek God for understanding, he will give it to us. Man, he said, if anybody lacks wisdom, ask me. I give it liberally. I don't upbraid you for asking. I won't tell you to shut up and leave me alone. And that, that's not for you to know. Blah, blah, blah. But he gives it liberally. Uh, he wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to seek wisdom. So when we uh, understand what God's doing, what's he about, you know? Uh, what's he doing in our lives? And uh, let that petition be there in your heart to get understanding of his ways. Then uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to come into fellowship with God and be of one mind and, and one thought with him. Uh, because when you understand God, you'll be more uh, apt to submit to what he's doing uh, without complaining, without you know, getting up and doing it yourself because he's not moving fast enough, you know, all that. And um, many of us have done that and wind up in debt, concerned. Then we got to go to God to get us out of the trouble we got ourselves in for not waiting on him, you know. So it's a kind of a vicious cycle, but we can break it and uh, move on to maturity. So in Proverbs uh, chapter 10 and verse 22, it tells us the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. Now there have been people I know who have been anxious for the blessings of God and uh To be honest with you, I'm really sometimes shocked at how long it takes them to pull themselves out of the sorrow element that came with their impatience 
in getting the blessing. You know, I mean, it goes on for now. I've seen it with my own eyes. And that's why I can attest to it. And sometimes it never reverses. You know, we really have to understand God's law and understand that when he gives us a law, he is serious about us obeying it and he can't violate that law in order to help us. God is a law-abiding God and he wants us to understand that even though it may seem that his law isn't, uh, that his law is like contrary to us, it really is not. The contrary parts of God's law have been done away with in the new covenant. And so God is there to help us and to make our lives richer, uh, make our lives better. But they only come through obedience to his ways. If God tells us not to steal, it's because he doesn't steal. He tells us not to lie is because he doesn't lie. And so we, we, and if he tells us to abide with him in the fruit of the spirit, uh, then he means that that's the best way for us. We may think another way is better, but when you live for God and you begin to understand God, we understand that his way is much better. If somebody can turn their notifications off, then that won't keep bugging you because every time somebody sends you something, it'll start. I know sometimes my emails all unload at one time and they keep ding, ding, dinging. So you can turn that thing off and make sure it's quiet. So anyway, when God does uh, bless us, he blesses us to enjoy the blessing all the way down the line. The devil likes to get in and cause us to panic or cause us to uh, want to go things to go faster and then we'll start devising ways to get the blessing ourselves and so that's when the sorrow comes in is where we we circumvent God's ways and we don't want to inquire of God you know you can ask God sometimes how long is it going to take you know I don't know that he answers that all the time but you know you can get an understanding of things when they are imminent and things when they are not now I I know I've I've asked I've been concerned about things because there was a deadline coming and God knows how to work with your deadline and he's never late he's always on time but if you let the deadline upset you then you'll try and go around God's law and make a way other than his way and you won't exhibit the patience of the fruit of the spirit and the the confidence the thanksgiving there are all kinds of ways to abide in God until your answer comes you don't have to sit on pins and, and needles the whole time you don't have to be anxious the whole time you can be in peace and you can be in joy you can enjoy life just as well as if you had it already you know because you do if you're a person that understands faith, you know you have it already. And you know uh, how to get in the spirit of God and not let the devil bug you about it. Now, that's all that's going on. He sees you waiting patiently for something and he decides he's going to bug you about it. Well, God, if he's coming through for you, when is that going to happen? Well, you could be spinning that by now. You could be, you know, throwing it away by now. Whatever you plan to do with it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he'll just keep poking at us. The devil likes double jeopardy. You know what that is? 
where he can try you twice for your crimes. I see you've been forgiven of your sins. You've been forgiven of, of anything that would hinder your promise coming through. You've been forgiven. But he wants to make you think that there's something else going on that you, you know, you can't now, you know, you just can't sit around here and wait for God to do something. There must be something you, you should be doing. You ever had that thought come to you? I can't just sit here and, you know, I gotta do something. It's double jeopardy. Jesus already paid the price for it. He wants you to pay it twice. Amen. He likes to double dip. He likes to double pay. He likes to steal. And so if he can get you in that double double jeopardy situation and make you pay for it as well as God paying for it, then he'll get you there. If he can sweat you out about time to him that's been a pound of flesh is worth something to him. Amen. Your sweat is worth something. Your upset delights him. And so if he can get you to make make you think that there's something else that needs to be. Oh I forgot something. Now there's something I didn't. Uh, there's something else. There must be something. That's him. Must be something. Oh. Uh-huh. That's his calling card. If God tells you that, God will tell you what to do and tell you how to get it done. We're not going to tell you there's something. It's like the people on Facebook want to give you a prophecy. This is for somebody. I want to write back so bad. No, it's not. You just made that up. Shut up. Get off Facebook with your prophet lying self. Huh? Never saw a prophet. God never sent a prophet anywhere in the Bible you ever saw that stood up and say this is for somebody. He knew exactly who he was supposed to be talking to. He knew messages. God knows who you are. He's not a generic throw something out there for everybody. He doesn't even do that when you read the word. When you read the word it speaks to you. If it's for you. So let's not be stupid here and go backwards. And you see all these people, hey man, I receive it, I receive it, and they got nothing. Just broke as you were before you read that scripture. Amen. So let's quit playing around here. This is a real kingdom. We deal with real situations and real lives and real people. So God doesn't need to talk like that to anybody. You're that desperate for a word, read your Bible. Get off Facebook and go get in your Bible. And God will talk to you. Amen. So his blessings make rich and they add no sorrow. When God comes into your life, he does by faith. Faith adds an ease to everything because it brings the grace of God with it. So faith and grace are intertwined. The Bible says, by grace ye are saved through faith. And that not of its of itself. Everybody asks, what that are they talking about? Both of them. The grace isn't yours, neither is the faith yours. Now God gives every man a measure of faith, but you take that faith and place it in God. So after you put it in God, it's not your faith anymore, even though it's your possession. It's imputed, just like righteousness is. 
You know, you, you trade your natural faith in for the faith of God. That's why it's sometimes a challenge to get things into the earth because we vacillate between natural faith and supernatural faith. One minute you're believing God, next minute you're looking for somebody's number to call so they can help you out. You got me? And so we, we really need to understand once your faith is invested in God, it's not yours anymore. It's a faith of the Son of God. It's a totally different supernatural faith. That's why it's good to put no limits on faith and no limits on what it can do. Cause it's not yours anyway. See, when we put limits, we're thinking about what we can do, and we're talking about a natural kind of faith. And so God wants us to understand that his faith is intertwined with his grace. They open the door one for the other. They're like partners. So when you believe God, it's imputed to you as righteousness, and then God's grace comes upon your life you'll find you can go to people and they will want to bless you you can pray for things and God has it all lined up for you to receive it you can can do supernaturally things that would would is they would be impossible to you in the natural most of what we get from God is impossible for us to even come close to duplicating in the natural so there is that added element of of being greater than our abilities, uh, trans, transcending the natural, uh, going over and above what we would normally do, going beyond our pocketbooks, going beyond our wildest imagination, going beyond. And so the the grace of God takes us above and beyond where any natural uh, mechanism could take you. Uh, you won't be able to get what God can give you through his grace. But you've got to stay in faith in order to experience it. And I think many times we don't experience the true grace of God because we step in there and go and do it on our own. You know, the ideal come to you. And I'm talking about the simple things. Sometimes we need to stop ourselves. And in the simple things... Just think about ideas that come to your head of desires, things that you desire. And really pray and and leave it up to God. God, if this is coming from you, I receive it and I'm just going to be patient with it until you bring it in my possession. Amen. Impatience wants it today. Run out and get it and say, oh, okay, you know, I've got some extra money here. I've got room on the credit card there and and let's go do this now. And we never experience what God can do. See, we, we're Christians and we're praying, but we're not living by faith. It's a big difference. Big difference. And so if you're going to live by faith as a justified, see just people live by faith. If you're impatient it's because there's something wrong with your relationship and you're thinking about God. See you really think he won't do it as fast as you can do it or you'd wait for him. You think it's not going to happen. You think you're not going to get it or you think God doesn't really care. He cares a lot. He cares that you acknowledge him in all your ways and let him direct you supernaturally to the blessing he wants you to have you know you could you could fill up 
15 garages with stuff that comes across your mind that you want. Now I've I've seen that with with these uh, 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 they build a show around people who don't know how to say no to stuff. Amen. American pickers. And see they they go and pick and find and pick and find until they're too old to do anything with it. And then it's dumped on the children and the grandchildren. They think all this junk grandpa. See grandpa thought it was wonderful. Kids see junk. You got me. And so they get saddled with the responsibility now of distributing it. Putting in somebody else's hands. Where are we going to find somebody stupid enough to want all this junk at one time? See what I'm saying? And the pickers come through and take what what's a good deal and keep leave the rest. They never take everything. So it 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 can be an obsession and it can be a difficult. It can put a strain on your finances. It'll put a strain on your relationship with God. You need to learn how to say no to your flesh. You know, I was I was thinking about that the other day. I said I said you know I haven't bought a car. This car lasted me like. Oh, what, 18, 20 years? I got it in, yeah, 18 years. I got it in 19, oh, probably 2000. Late 99 or 2000. Almost 20 years. I thought about, a vague thought would come to me every now and then. Well, this car is old, and, you know, I should think about a new one that, nah, I'll just wait. You know, and I kept waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting. Think of what I was able to do with the non-money that I didn't spend all those years. Amen. You know, I think about things like that. To me, that's a blessing from God. I don't need something. Come on now. Get real. I like go to the supermarket once a week. If And if I could get somebody else to go, I'd do that too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even if I had to drive more. You just need transportation. You don't need all that. It's nice to have something that looks good and is comfortable, but. Don't don't ever pride yourself on well. I gotta have the best, and I gotta have new, and I gotta have this, and I gotta you just give yourself a break, okay? Learn some self discipline. Learn to wait, and I can tell you with a certainty, whatever you run to get, whatever God had for you is much better, probably in many ways than what we run to get the devil likes to see us doing that so he can add sorrow to it you know so so many months down the line you look and you're over budget again you know why is that because you didn't really wait as a justified person you didn't really wait for God to move you to do what you did you did it amen you did it and so he's trying to teach us the difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of our God. Because there is a difference. There is a different way of living. There is a different way of, of um, living your life every day. He would much rather us be concerned about our neighbor's salvation than be concerned about Bill's. You, you know what I'm saying? You can spend your time on either one. And so I, I'd much rather spend my energy in God's endeavors than to be concerned about when am I going to get this and oh I want this now and I like a bunch of babies amen you're not babies you're mature 
Amen. You're mature individuals, you know. Some people, I watch people sometimes and they, they seem to get immature once the kids get out of the house. They want to go back now and, you know, have all this and have all that. And it's like, you know, they've been sitting somewhere longing to do all this crazy stuff. Well, the age when that was appropriate, you passed that 25 years ago. You understand what I'm saying? It looks crazy on you now. You know, so let's start acting our age and acting our age in God. I mean, it's serious. I've seen it. You know, I can say it because I've witnessed it with my own eyes and I know that's what it is. You know, they they struggle and, and upset about everything until they get by themselves and then they want to live it up. And I'm thinking, where's this person been all these years? You know, <laughs> you should have let him stay dead. Raised him up again. Amen. Let's not get crazy. Let's understand God has a purpose and a a season for everything in our lives. And and being appropriate in the appropriate season is what you want to be. You want to do the right thing at the right season in your life. Let your life be appropriate. There are people that are watching you in God. He, God has you as an example to people, uh, but you got to live for Him. He's got. He needs a good example down here, so it's it's just good to be that way. So that's how the enemy gets in there. He gets under your skin, gets in your flesh, and lets you get uh, <clears throat> you get impatient about things that you feel you know oh i gotta have this you know i won't be happy all this kind of stuff you be happy you know you watch a baby in a crib and you understand where happiness comes from amen this comes from a face coming by you <laughs> ah, they just go off on you and smile a great big smile you know and all you did was stuck your face where they could see it you know that kind of stuff or or a little toy that you put in their hands you know we're the same way folks we just have uh, amen we progressed on to some more expensive stuff but you know anything that gives you joy is worth rejoicing over and holding on to so do the things that bring you joy you know what I'm saying read a good testimony uh, you know find a nice uh, uh, um, book that you've been planning to read that'll give you some wisdom, give you some some relaxation or something like that. You know, get in your word. I hate to keep pushing the word so much, but you need to around Christian people. But the things that that bring you joy, do those things. Don't always be looking for ways to spend money and let that be your only source source of joy. And then you're disgruntled if you don't get it. You know, crabby until you get it. It's like, yeah, like a little baby. Somebody gives you a little rattler and you go off and you're happy for, for about another month or so. And then we're right back at it again. So, you know, we need to break that cycle uh, because that's where the enemy gets in there. He puts us in double jeopardy. Amen. You know, Jesus has already paid for everything that's got your name on it. God's got everything that's ordained for your life with your name on it. And the Lord has paid for it. So all you got to do is use your faith. And that's what's important to God. It's not important that we get things. And he's not against giving us things. But he wants us to develop our faith. You don't develop your faith. You know, you're like a dead man to him. You understand? Faith without works is dead. 
And so he wants lively stones down here. People who are looking to to use their faith. Who it's a challenge to use their faith on certain things. You know, they're looking for opportunities to use their faith. And so, you know, we, we marvel at people like that. Everybody listens to Henry Groover and they think, wow, you know, this great man of faith. Well, you got the same thing going for you. You just got to get take yours out and start using it. So he, he wants us to be people of faith who don't get uh, disturbed Amen. Peaceful people. Undisturbed composure. Amen. So if Satan can do anything, he wants to break the cycle of faith and grace. Amen. He wants to break that up and disconnect your faith from the grace of God to go forth and accomplish. Grace is not just for sitting around. There is a grace that puts you in a place of patience where you're undisturbed. But then there is a grace that will open doors and move you to go through them. Satan's weapon is mental and natural warfare. Amen. So there's some some weapons that he uses continually. Amen. Uh, The first weapon I want to talk about is distraction. Man, you can be focused. You ever sit and and listen to a good sermon or read the word or something? You bless, you feel really blessed, and then you get up and five minutes later you're disturbed about something. Something will go through your mind. Oh, I wonder when that's going to happen, or what? What am I going to do about that? Or and really, many times we have already prayed about these things. And we've left them in the hands of God. But then the enemy finds a way to distract us from our peace and start shaking it back in front of us. What about this? What about when is this going to happen? What Really disturbed about it. And so um, God wants us to know that we can stay focused on our faith and focused on what we've already committed to him. Now, if you prayed and you've received what you're believing for, that should be the end of it. The rest of it should be just a uh, glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. No doubts, no fears, none of that stuff. It, it should be locked in to God's kingdom to bring it to pass. So in Matthew 14, I thought I'd go there, and it's a very familiar story about the power of distraction to pull a person out of the spirit and away from the task, the spiritual, or the grace of God. Verse 22, it starts, I'll just read the story to you. Straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side when he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost or a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter, answering him, said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you on the water. And he said, Come. 
And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And being getting to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they were coming to see, the wind ceased immediately after they got off the the water. So we talked in the past about that wind coming up as a test of their faith. Every wind that blows against you, every contrary wind is a test of your faith. And when you pass the test, it's over. You've got to pass the test and it's over. The faith of the Son of God when it's engaged with your faith causes you to pass the test. You're not going to pass it in the natural. Now you can flip flop out of the natural if you want to. And this is kind of interesting because many times when we uh, we get distracted and we start looking in the natural and we our faith begins or we experience doubt. We'll sit there when we know we're doubting we sit there and beat ourselves up for doubting and think you can never get back in faith again. We can get immediately back in faith. Well, you see that here in the scripture, so I'll show it to you. It says, when he saw Jesus, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It's me. So here is fear as a spirit, but it's playing off of different elements in this situation. Amen. Stay with me. Fear is a spirit. But it plays off different things. Have you ever felt nervous and then you're, you, you'll think to yourself, what am I nervous about? And then you'll look up and oh, that must be what it seems. Fear is a spirit. It wants to attach itself in your thinking to something in the natural. So you can say you're afraid of it. Now this is very important because what we do is we train ourselves to fear certain things. People say, well I'm afraid of driving at night. I'm afraid of being alone. I'm afraid of, you know, my, my, uh, uh, cousin who's crazy. I'm afraid of my this. I'm afraid of that. But that's not really true. You're giving in to a spirit of fear. And then you're attaching it to something in the natural. Because it makes sense to you to be afraid of something. Now this is, this is the way people are, period folks. This, you know, this is not some unique something that just happens to Christians or it's not, it's not an indictment against you. So you can say amen. But this is how fear operates. It likes to attach itself to something. So that you can make that thing significant in your life. And you'll make it eventually bigger than God. Fear masquerades with many faces. And many times people are really experiencing fear. And they won't acknowledge it as fear. They'll call it something else. Hmm? Oh, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not scared of that. I'm not. Yes, you are. Because you've attached significance to it. 
Anytime you hesitate, that's fear in operation. Righteousness makes you bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Hesitation is always fear. Now, some of it's warranted and some of it's, it's, it's useful. I'm not saying it's not useful all the time. But as much as fear pops up in our lives, you can tell it's the devil most of the time. Because it's too prevalent and it causes too much damage. It keeps us away from accomplishing too many things. So if it's, if it's an inordinate fear, like something that everybody else can do real easily and you're afraid of it, you, you've allowed yourself to get boxed in by a spirit of fear. You're cornered by it. And that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to get fear attached to so many different things in our lives that he immobilizes us. And see, it'll be hard for us to use our faith to come out of it because he's got us boxed in so much. See, normal people are not afraid to go out of their house. Normal people are not afraid to walk or or take a stroll somewhere. It's just normal to kind of do these things. But the enemy can come up to you with a spirit of fear just to hinder and immobilize you. Amen. Sometimes you just feel anxious about something. It might be a new experience. It, it causes you a little anxiety. If you don't put it in check and, and override it, it will keep you from experiencing anything that's new in your life. Fear is very powerful, folks. Just like faith is very powerful, fear is very powerful. And so the enemy will use fear to block us from from operating in faith. So fear will ride in as a spirit on many different situations, many different things. There are people who can can be in a a, a storm and not be fearful at all. It's not just common to feel certain ways. Don't ever accept that. You you have to accept what God gives you and nothing more, nothing less. But God did not give us that fear of natural things. He gave us the overcoming power and he gave us a sound mind. So when you, you take up fear and you embrace it at every little thing, that your mind isn't sound. Now you'll make yourself crazy for real, embracing fear at everything, at every turn. And the more you embrace it, the bigger it will get in your life. It will consume more and more things in your life. Amen? Because you embrace it. It's a familiar spirit to you now. And so it will just move in and start to block every open door God will bring. See, it's a spirit, but you think it's real. Because your mind attaches it to something. See? And so the more your mind attaches it to, more objects, situations, your mind will accept that you're afraid. Oh yeah, I'm scared of that. Oh yeah, I'm scared of that. Well, I'm scared of that. What a, and then it will give you a reason for why you're scared of it. To lock it in. And so when you start thinking about it, you're going to have to start to challenge yourself in fear. Because you'll be uh, phobic. You won't be able to go out of the house. You won't be able to, you know, I I was like that for many years. That's why I can speak on it. And I know what it will do to people. 
but I do know what what freedom there is when you let God get you out of it and you renew your mind you have to undo a lot of wrong thinking in order to get out of it amen and so sometimes you know I'll, I'll try and help people when I see they have small fears but once you see them so many so many strongholds locked in they need to start renewing their mind in the word and challenging the smaller ones you know you got to take the little fingers first before you get the hand and so if if they can start taking the little tentacles off before the hand gets get to the hand you know you can can help people but it's not right to live in fear dear believer it's an it's really an insult to the lord for us to give in to fear and so here we see fear shows up as a spirit it comes in on the wind it comes in in the storm now I said people can ride out storms without fear, but they weren't able to. Mainly because they were so accustomed to Jesus being with them, they start being dependent on him for their way out of everything instead of using the faith that he faith in him to ride out difficult times. And he was always preparing them. He said the day will come when I'm not here anymore. Now start using your faith because I'm not going to be here with you all the time. Now I'll send another comforter but quit looking for somebody with flesh on to solve all your problems. We make people too big. People become the source of our problems and then we look to people to solve our problems. And God never gets to get in there and get a chance to help us. So here we are. Distraction is what the enemy is using here to uh, to stymie Peter's faith and his grace to carry out what his faith wants to do. When he sees Jesus on the water, he says, "Lord, if that's you, let me come out there." Now, why does he want to? This is what people are trying to figure out. You know, why does P- Peter want to come out there where Jesus is? What do you think? Read the scripture. Put your eyes in your Bible, not in your head. 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves. You see your Savior coming toward you and where would you want to be? So he's full of fear already. He's so scared he wants out the boat. And Jesus has always helped us. Let me come out there where you are. I don't care about these other guys left in the boat too. I don't care about them. I just want to be saved. See, that's what fear does to you. You just want to preserve yourself. You don't care how inconvenient your fear makes it for somebody else. You just want to take care of you. See? That's why God hates it. That's why God tells you plainly he did not give that to you. And the faith of God can override it every single time. So Peter, even with fear motivating him, 
is able to put his faith in Christ. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? What time I am afraid I will trust in you. Amen. So he does the right thing here. Even though his motives are a little goofy. You wonder. He knows Jesus is coming to the boat pretty soon. What's his problem? He can't wait. That's how you are when fear gets a hold of you. Huh? I've been praying all this time for God to bring me uh, somebody to marry me. And I just can't wait no longer. The minute you say that, somebody will come into your life that's not supposed to be there. Huh? Because you can't, you're stepping out of the boat already. You're scared to stay in the boat. See, that's always our motivator is to be different from everybody else. Huh? All these other single women in the church, I ain't going to be like them. I'm going to have me somebody this time next year. Put on your red dress, mama. Because you're going out. Huh? Right. Oh yeah. See fear of being like everybody else. Fear of being ordinary. Fear of being needing something. Fear of wanting what everybody else wants. We always want to stand out. We always want to be different. Always want to be extraordinary. Because we're afraid we're not even normal. It's got to be different because it's us. can't be like everybody else. It's got to be different. Because it's us. Oh. Mine's got to be bigger, better. <laughs> so, here we go. They were all crying out in fear. Verse 26. So look at that. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Now their fear is, the fear of the wind and the waves has gotten them whooped up. Now they can't even tell if it's Jesus or not. It's got to be a ghost. Out here on the water after the dark of night. And here comes a figure that's familiar to them. But they think it's a ghost. It's not him. Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, it's me. Man. So when God comes into your life, he comes to take fear away, not make it worse. If your fear doesn't subside once God is on the scene and in your life, there's something wrong. You need to get your focus. That's why I tell people, you stay in the word in that area of your life until that fear leaves you. Until you take on his peace. And so if it, if it, if you can't eradicate it in one quoting of the scripture to yourself, you stay with that, speaking that word over yourself until that it chases that fear out of your life. Amen. Because God didn't didn't save you for you to be in bondage to fear. So he says it, Jesus spoke to them right away. He sees you whenever you're in distress. God comes to you right away. He is a very present help in time of trouble. 
So there's no reason to stay scared about anything. There's no reason to languish in trouble and all that kind of stuff. Because God is right there to take that fear away from you. So Jesus shoes the fear away. He says, get out of here fear. And then he tells them, be of good cheer. It's me. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come out there. In other words, I've had it with this boat. Huh? There's a reason Peter does not want to stay in the boat and would rather be out there where Jesus is. Now from where you and I sit, we're thinking, is he crazy? Why would you get out of a boat? But there's trouble in both places. There's trouble. He's afraid the water's going to come into the boat. But the only secure place he knows is with the Lord. In some ways he's smarter than everybody else that's still in the boat. Even though they know Jesus is on his way over to where they are. Peter's not sure he's going to last that long. And Jesus said come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. And that scared him. Huh? See some people are more fear driven than other people are. Hmm? There's a reason why Peter's always talking up for himself. You ever notice that about him? Now I'm not the only one. Peter stands out to people for many reasons. But he's always the first one to say something. He's always the first. Oh Lord, should we, well let's make three tabernacles. He's a nervous guy. You can sum him up as just being a ball of nerves. He blurts out too fast. You know, they come to rest Jesus. He cuts a guy's ear off. He understands impulsive, nervous, prone to anxiety. Uh-huh. Jesus tells him, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go to my death where I'm going. Nobody can go. Oh, no, Lord, I'm with you. I'll go with you everywhere you want to go. Oh, don't, don't, don't put me in that boat. I'm just, you got me. He wants to be known as somebody who's there, powerful, competent. I'm receiving these teachings you're giving us. I'm in there, Lord. It's always prideful. Always concerned about how he looks to everybody kind of guy. So in verse 29, Jesus tells him, okay. Now why would Jesus tell him that? Jesus could have said, stay there, Peter, because I'm almost there. You're not going to drown before I get there. But Jesus sees faith in Peter. Even though it's goofy, screwy, not appropriate. This is where Peter's faith is taking him. Is out of that boat. That's what he wants. He wants out. It doesn't dawn on Peter it's more hazardous trying to walk out there than staying in here. He made up his mind he wanted out of that boat probably long before Jesus came. You know how sometimes you'll endure so I'll be glad when this is over. 
Well, I'll be glad when it's, oh boy, I can't take any more. This is, this is, this is the kind of mindset sometimes people get when they're in fear. And so here's Peter taking about as much as he can tolerate. If he didn't have the faith to walk out there, Jesus would never have told him yes. Jesus responds to faith. And Jesus sees Peter putting his faith in him. Have faith in God. So when Peter is willing to trust Jesus, he set up the the conditions for their interaction. So he says, let me come out there. I don't like it in this boat. I don't know how long we've taken on water here. I want to be out there where you are. Just wherever you are is where I'm safe. I'm good. And so he said, let me come out there. You ever been scared and, and somebody come by your house? Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Huh? Or in a bad situation? Hmm? Seldom ever had my car stop on me. The last time it stopped, the, the motor was totally dead. But uh, Tony was was at work, and he has the kind of job where he can set up for events and stuff like that, and he can uh, leave it if he, you know, if he desires. He has a coworker, and they trade off like that sometimes. So he said, "Oh no," he said, "I, I can come up either." I said, eh, "Don't worry about it." I said, "I got Coco with me though. That was the only thing, and you know, I knew I would have to get out, walk her, or something." Of course, if I had more more treats in the glove compartment, we'd, we'd have been cool. But um, didn't have quite enough for what we needed. So I did call a tow truck, but it would have been an hour for them to get there. And he was concerned. So, um, But when he told me he would be there, I just, you know, I said, okay. You know, I relaxed about it. I wasn't panicky. But, you know, you're relieved when you don't have to stay in an uncomfortable situation and i think that's where peter's mindset was he got relieved when he saw jesus and his mind was already made up he was leaving that boat if he could that boat was his enemy and so once he that fear started to motivate him toward what he was doing and it says here he he came verse 29 Jesus said come so Peter agrees with Jesus his faith comes into agreement with God's word his son Jesus says come Peter says okay and he starts to act act on what he believes so he puts works behind his faith this will take you far supernaturally. This is how you get your healing. This is how you get uh, your bills paid. This is how you get anything from God. You ask God for what you want. He says yes. And then you start acting on what you. It doesn't matter what you're asking him for. It doesn't matter the hazards that are going on around you. Nothing matters except you focus on what God's telling you to do and you obey what he, you know, you do your, your do. You do what you're supposed to do. You do you. So here Peter is, he steps out of the boat, he's obeying Jesus. This isn't a dare. You know what I mean when I say dare? Dare does not have supernatural faith. You can't tempt God. He won't get involved in your dare. 
So this isn't like Peter saying. And I used to think that's what he was doing. Because it ended real quick. But then when you start shutting up. And letting God tell you what's going on. You get a lot more understanding. Which is what you want. You don't want to have answers all the time. You want to understand stuff. And so here Peter is. He stepped out. Jesus said come. Peter comes into agreement with that. Because he comes. He comes out of that ship. And he walked on water to go to Jesus. Now Peter's thinking to himself. I just want to be safe. I want to be with the Lord. He's out here. And he says for me to come. So it must be okay. So he steps out. And he begins to walk on the water. Well what do you think the devil's going to do? When he sees you waiting patiently for God to bring something nice into your life. When he sees you uh, being uh, patient in, in wanting a godly spouse or uh, you know whatever it is that you desire from God. When he sees you patiently waiting and focused on God and what he's going to do. Rejoicing, thanking God for, blessing God. I'm healed. I thank you Lord that there's no pain in my body. I thank you Lord that my bones are strong. I thank you Lord my joints are strong. Thank you Lord my mind is sound. I thank you Lord I am 100% healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. What does he want to do? He'll come and zap you with a pain in your shoulder. Oh that's a new one. Huh? So the new one gets your attention. The enemy is constantly working to distract us from our faith mission, our focus on God. Keeping your mind stayed on the Lord. So he comes with a distraction. Huh? His fear isn't isn't far from him. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you can get away from situations and fear just leave you alone. But this whole this whole situation is permeated with fear. So fear will make a, a return trip to you. Once you get rid of it. When he said Lord if that's you let me come out there. And Jesus says come. That fear has left him. He has put that fear aside. Huh? But it doesn't have to stay aside and come right back anytime it wants. It makes a second play for you. Fear stays around us all the time, especially if he knows he's been successful in your life. You think you really, you rebuke him one time, he won't come back. Huh? The Bible says Satan left Jesus for a season. How long is the season? Ask the devil. Huh? How long you think a devil's season is for leaving somebody alone? Not long. Amen. Oh, you thought three months, six months, whatever. No, 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 no. For a minute. And immediately. So here we go. When he saw the wind boisterous, this is it. Fear comes back again. He was what? Uh huh. So you can get get your eyes on the wrong thing, and fear will shake you. Anytime you know, if if 
Peter had just stayed in the same faith mode that he was. But everybody gets distracted on your walk of faith. It's not a run, it's a walk. And so he had probably what seems to be a short distance to get to where Jesus was because he was having a conversation with him. He was within earshot. He was able to see him. And so we think it's probably a short distance. How far can you carry your faith before you get scared? Some of us don't take it anyway. We just have another stupid thought come to our mind. God ever told you to get up and do something and you talk yourself out of it? Absolutely. Do it all the time. That's fear, honey. That's not, uh, I don't want to make a mistake. That's fear right there. God didn't tell you to get up and make a mistake. He told you to get up and be successful. He won't call you to a mistake. You know, how many of you parents would give yourself a, your kids a, a stone if they ask you for bread? Well, God won't motivate you to get up and make a mistake. He only gives good and perfect gifts. So Peter saw the wind boisterous. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. That's all he wanted from the beginning. He really didn't want to walk on water necessarily to get saved. He just wanted salvation. See, many times we want the dog, but we ask for the cat. Peter wants out of the boat. And he forgets he's got to do something supernatural to get to safety. So he asks for something. Sometimes the thing that you're asking God for is harder than just asking him to heal you. Lord, just give me a normal blood pressure. Give me, make sure that my, my enzymes are right. Make sure this is right. You want to go and pray and ask for to correct all the lab tests you've ever had. When all you need is to say, God, just heal me. Just heal me. I thank you, Lord, for healing me. If you got several ailments, just tell them whatever you, whatever you can do first, let's do that one. I don't care what order you do it in. Just take the simple route, folks. Just get your healing. Sometimes I'll have people come up to the altar and say, and I got this, and I got that, and I got that, and I got that. And I always, Lord, just touch this person and heal them. You know, uh, instead of, Taking authority over every single ailment and everything. Some people have a lot. God will get the ones he can get with the faith that they have first. But if you keep thanking him for healing you, you'll get all of them. Don't ever quit. Don't ever quit expressing thanksgiving. Calling those things that be not as though they are. Thank you Lord that I'm healed. Thank you Lord I have no pain in my body. Thank you, Lord. Lubricate my joints. Take all the stiffness out. Thank you, Lord. All of that. Those are things you thank him for because they're already accomplished. You can't. There's no work you can do to get healed. Good grief. All you got to do is embrace that you are and thank him for it. I don't care how you feel. You're healed anyway. Amen. It's a spiritual decree. It has been decreed in the court of heaven. That you don't have disease anymore. 
It's like people, you know, the, somebody wrote you a pardon for prison and you just refuse to go out of the cell. Because you're still used to being in there. Huh? You might feel a little funny when you first come out, but you'll get used to it. Hmm? And as some people will say, people who have been delivered from jail will say things like, I felt like a free person for a long time. You understand they've received their freedom already before the doors are open. Yeah. So he saw the wind. That's distraction. This is what the enemy does to us to break the cycle of faith and grace. There was faith. Peter had faith to walk out on the water with Jesus and he had the grace to do it. They go hand in hand. They are intertwined. So whenever your faith is is in something, you receive the grace to carry it out. Amen. So if you tell God, well, God, I want a new car and, and, you know, and tell him what kind you want, what you want to spend, blah, 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 blah. He'll give you the grace to go and find it. Grace to have it work out well. All of that stuff. He'll give you all of that, man. But get in faith. Don't be scared. I'm scared I won't find what I, I'm scared I won't find. And suppose it, uh-uh. You're not ready. You stay in the boat until you get it. Confidence. Confidence. Get your get in your word. Thank you, God, for good and perfect gifts. Thank you, God, for you know what I'm saying. You you gotta get in there with it and banish all that fear. Not be afraid of this, that, and the other. You know. You gotta do a lot of things that, that you might be afraid of. Otherwise, God says, Go and do, you go and do. Man. Just it's just true. You can put fear away any time you get in the word. You can push it aside and, and let your confidence in God be the only thing that you have going in this situation. That's what Peter did. Even if he did it for a little bit of time, he did it. So he could see that his faith in God worked. You see evidence. God will show you evidence that your faith in him works. Amen. You can't say God doesn't heal because he heals too many people. And many of us he has healed us some as much as we'll allow him to with a little bit of faith we muster up. Amen. And so it is true. You know we get a little bit and get scared. You got scared you got a little bit of healing. Huh? (laughs) We do. Your soul reacts all kind of crazy ways. To stuff that should be normal for us. Amen. God wants us to experience it all the time. He wants us to live by faith. Live in that. So when you believe God for something. The grace comes to do your part. And carrying it out. So Peter received the grace. To walk out there where Jesus was. He was walking to Jesus. The devil wants to break the cycle of faith and grace. So he comes with, hey Peter, wait, wait, look, wait, wait, hey. <laughs> he distracted him. You can be distracted and refocus again. You don't have to be distracted and let fear take over and give up on the whole thing. 
Peter could have said, oh, okay, I'm still on my way over there. I'm feeling a little nervous, but I'm still on my way. Amen. Or say, thank you, Jesus, I'm on my way. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. He was still getting Jesus to help him. When he said, Lord, save me, he's still operating in the faith of the Son of God. But see, he's not operating at as high a level as he was initially. Where's God's heart? Well, you'll find out from what Jesus said. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, Hey, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In other words, you're at a high level of faith in me. Why did you doubt? What made you doubt? See, this would be an important question for Peter to go back and pray about and answer. Get an answer. What did make me doubt? What what caused me? And how could I have stayed in faith? Because I was in there and I stepped out. And so these are important questions, believers, for us to answer ourselves. What makes me stop believing? What makes me get frustrated and upset? What makes me uh, uh, get angry because of the amount of time I think it's taking? What is it that pulls me and distracts me? From what God is, what, when I'm in faith, I feel wonderful. I feel powerful. You know, you feel like you can go out and slay a dragon, you know, with a switch. You feel like all this, this contentment and energy. And then something happens, and then all of a sudden you're fretful about it. You're worried about it. Amen. I feel bad for people who just don't want to come to church anymore. Because I wonder how they make it. Because see, when you come into the presence of the the people of God, you get so much encouragement and help and the atmosphere supports your faith. There's a reason why he said don't forsake assembling yourselves together there's a reason for it and you'll see people want to argue about it all day long i serve god on my own i just see i'm close to god i believe in god but i don't go to church well you couldn't because he tells you to go how you gonna believe him you know disobedience you understand what i'm saying but like you can, I can remember when I was in a little Bible studies, the first, first time I was ever around spirit-filled believers. And I would, you know, you would go, everybody got a little cup of coffee before they sat down, you know, before it started. And you know, you'd have a little time to fellowship with one another. And sometimes people would say things to me that was so encouraging and it was something that had perplexed me for a long time. I mean, you can get years of scales shed off your eyes just being in an atmosphere. There are so many ways God heals us, helps us, and builds us up. It will just do that little bit of obedience. 
But see, people, the devil gets people thinking that gets their minds twisted. You do better by all them people. They don't, you don't. Anytime, anytime you, you are, start to agree with the accusation of the brethren, the devil's got you. See, there's, there's nothing almost you can say to people like that. You know, God will have to go retrieve them because they already have embraced the enemy's lies and they're in the company of the enemy and they like it there. He's convinced them that's better than being in the the congregation of the righteous. It's crazy. You're not better off at home. I don't care how bad the saints are. Ask God to put you in the company of better people. I mean do something. I don't know what it is you need to pray. But you need to look at that scripture and say God you know what. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to quit arguing with this. And I'm going to obey you. But show me where to go this time. Don't let me pick anything. And show me how to act when I get there. Amen. Mostly we just need to go sit down shut up. And receive from God. You understand what I'm saying? It's very easy. So Peter was distracted by the natural disturbance. See things in the natural. People. Events. News stories. All of that kind of stuff. Something natural is a big distraction. Often when we are on the road to supernatural healings, symptoms will increase. That's a distraction. You already told God, thank you for healing me, and now something else pops up. So that's common for a natural occurrence to come to try and distract us. This is double jeopardy because Jesus paid to remove all symptoms and disease. So what the enemy's trying to get you to think is that this is different. Yeah, see, this is not, no, I, I'm doing the word and it's not going anywhere. So this is, maybe I need to go to the doctor and find out what this is. <laughs> of course. Anytime they get worse. We're like Peter. Lord, save me. Or doctor, save me. So what you do is you decide God's word doesn't work. And you got to go do something else. Now we don't like that. Barb that's so mean to say. That's not how I feel. Sure it is. Or you'd stay with the word. Now if you need to go to doctor, go to doctor. But at some point something in you should stop you and say, Now listen, I've been doing this for all this time and it never helps me. Maybe I'm on the wrong road when I quit the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no fast shortcut to anything, folks. There's only the road of faith that's going to get you there. Now, if you're in pain, I mean, I don't fault anybody from going to alleviate suffering, you know. But you do your word. 
don't put the word aside. See, there's something in your mind that will go off and tell you this does not work. If if you're going to get healed by the word, you've got to believe the word works. You gotta believe Proverbs four that every time you hear that word, you're taking a dose of medicine. You're not just being tortured because you can't watch TV another show. And you sit there barely listening, waiting till it's you can put the word down and you can go back to your normal routine. You gotta make the word your normal routine. It's called paying the price. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You get delivered from destructions, your your illness will reverse itself. It'll back up and let you go. And you'll start getting normal function back again. You'll start getting rid of pains. You'll start getting rid of whatever else. Huh? It's kind of interesting to me. Sometimes people will, will have a diagnosis and they'll say it's terminal. It's not going to get any better. It's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And their symptoms kind of stay where they were when they first started praying. Well something happened. It stopped progressing. You understand what I'm saying? That's something to rejoice about right there. If it stopped progressing, that means it can reverse. It'll back up and leave you alone. But see, we're so focused on what we don't have. Huh? What I want. God's doing his part. We gotta have faith in what he's doing. You have faith in God. I'm of the Fred Price school of healing. You know, once you start engaging God, the time cannot be a factor for you. You can't sit up and look at how long you've been at this and how long it's been. You know what I'm saying. Quit doing that to yourself. You resign yourself to the fact that you're going to believe God regardless of how much time goes by. Mm -hmm. There's no quick easy way to faith. It's just one road. There's one road on faith and Jesus is on there with you. He will help you through every situation. Amen. So Jesus paid to remove all symptoms and all disease. But the enemy wants you to think you got to be sick. There's a reason why. I'm not doing this enough. I'm not doing that enough. You ever feel like you're not listening to the word enough? You're not confessing? I've done that. Enough, enough, enough. What's enough? <laughs> See, it's to make you quit. See, the fact that you listen to the word at all, you know, that's a help. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, what's enough? Enough is when you get healed. That's when enough is. How many days does it take? How many months? How many years? I don't know. I don't put God on a timetable. But I know the more I focus on his word and meditate on his word, the better I'll be. The more medicine I'm taking. You've got to believe that word is medicine. It can't just be something you tolerate and endure. And you want to get on to fun stuff. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's quit that and get on to fun stuff. Huh? 
listening to the word has got to be your delight folks David said that he says in your law is my delight ask God to help you with that if you see yourself as just you can't I can't listen to this because I'm listening to the word God thank you that your, your word is my delight help me to see your word as my delight give me a different attitude about it huh because you'll, you'll shortchange yourself. Even the word that you tolerate won't help you. You're not really taking it. Yeah. Satan never wants you to, um, to um, experience what it's like to go through life full of faith without distraction. He never wants you to get that much exposure to God's faith. Because if, if you stay exposed to it, eventually you'll be able to get through that door of blessing. And that's what he hates. See, that'll kill him. Because once you go in there and you get evidence and you know that it works, then you'll be able to do more damage to him. He never likes a victorious Christian. He wants us to, to focus on defeat instead of progress so in the situation with peter satan would rather we we focus on the fact that peter couldn't finish work walking instead of the fact that he did walk for a season and why did he and what made him doubt very few people can answer those questions because we get distracted when we read the Bible at the fact that, ah peter you couldn't do it either and then we feel better because we don't walk on water we all in the same boat, you know. So I mean, you know, get off Peter's case. Get on your own case. Start finding out why you quit when you start in faith. You know, help yourself. We've all started walking out on the supernatural. What makes you? What distracts you and makes you think it's not going to help you to continue to listen to the word three or four hours a day? And you don't see any change for months or years. Why should you quit? Hmm? You want to give up? Just not do it anymore? Or do you want to take a chance on the faith of the Son of God? Let the grace of God come into your life in such a way that you're not just tolerating the word anymore. The word becomes your delight. You can't wait to get up and get in your Bible. It's an adventure in God. It's an experience that you don't get with anything else. It'll heal you. It'll do you good. It'll cause you to triumph over everything. Everything that comes against you, you triumph as you uh, operate in God's word. You put your faith and your confidence in him. Because he certainly has overcome everything. That has ever come against humanity. And whatever is, is you're struggling with, that's overcome as well. He just wants you to experience it. Amen. So why don't we stop. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that we are people who overcome. We don't have to give in to fear. We have to give in to distractions. We can stay focused on the task before us. And that is using the faith of the Son of God and the grace of God to get us over into the realm of our promise, 
and what you've freely given us and we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 If anybody needs prayer